0: Let's turn in God's word this morning to the gospel according to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. As we meet a man that the the King James Version refers to as the publican. And I'm sure many of us, uh, as we were growing up, knew this parable as the Pharisee and the publican. Our translation, as well as multiple others, uses the term tax collector, but we'll come back to that term publican in a a few minutes as well. Luke chapter 18, we're beginning to read at verse 9, and we're going to read verses 9 through 14. Let us hear then God's breathed out word to you and I today. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God... I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God be merciful to be a sinner i tell you this man went down to his house justified rather than the other for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled but the one who humbles himself will be exalted as far as the reading of god's word i invite you to keep the passage open before you this morning as we make our way through it let's again bow in prayer and ask for God's blessing upon that. Our Father who art in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to attend your house of worship, this beautiful morning. We ask that you will be with us as we listen to Pastor Bob and guide him, and that we may take many of these messages to heart. This we ask in your name alone. Amen. Amen. So three points, again, from this particular passage. First of all, his position. What exactly is this guy's position? What what does he do? Secondly, his prayer. And then thirdly, his purpose. Why does Jesus speak of this man in parable form? And we have to remember that as we... First of all, begin here. This is a parable. It's not like they were standing there in the temple actually watching a Pharisee and watching a publican, a tax collector, pray. And now Jesus teaches. This is a story. It's a parable. It's something Jesus is, we could say, making up to teach a point. And he wants to teach those who are hearing him, in particular, verse 9 tells us, those who trust in themselves that they were righteous. He wants to teach them. And so this morning, as we come to the table of the Lord, we too need to be instructed by the Lord in this regard in our own hearts and in our own lives. However, We could say it's a parable, we can say it's a story, but the realities that Jesus is teaching and the example that Jesus uses probably had quite a few people squirming. As the audience listens to this story, I'm sure they can visualize exactly what is happening here. That's what a parable does. It creates a visual image. Jesus isn't simply saying, now let me just tell you a story. Don't think about it at all. Just listen. No, these these people are seeing a Pharisee. They are seeing this tax collector. They are envisioning the place that Jesus is speaking of. And they're probably seeing themselves. In this story as well. First of all then, his position. A general understanding. He's a tax collector. What does that mean? It means he works for Rome. That which was collected for the temple was taken care of at the temple. There there was an offering box. There was a tithe box. Remember Jesus uh, observing the widow and her two mites. That get put into the tithe box and the the box that was for the poor and for the care, for benevolence issues as well. That's how the temple was taken care of. But as far as civil taxes, that's all up to Rome. Israel doesn't get to collect their own. Palestine doesn't get their own taxes with their own funds. Now it all goes to Rome. So when you talk about a tax collector, the only taxes that are being assessed, in essence, are the taxes that Rome imposes. So as the the story, as the parable opens, that there are two men, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector, the scene is set. We know who this man is. And we know their reputations. Everybody there is thinking Oh, we know these kind of people. They're greedy, they're harsh, they're bullies. They cheat, they swindle, they're dishonest men. That's the general understanding. Here's the character that Jesus is using in this story this man who is a, a tax collector. He's not, a, in the sense, a farmer, he's not a soldier. He's not a carpenter, he's not a mason, right? He's not a shopkeeper. He has a position that nobody likes. The second thing to note about his position is that King James Version, which uses, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, the, the term publican, telling us is the actual Greek word there. Now, that word, you say, you say well, how do we get tax collector or publican? Okay? Well, in essence, publican and tax collector are the same thing, but the word publican here draws us a little bit closer to what this man's actual... Maybe more defined job was because you see, there were Rome imposed many taxes, it isn't just one type of tax. So, you have tax collectors for certain things. This man is a particular type of tax collector, that's where this idea of publican comes from. It means To pay at the end. It's the tax that is collected at the end. Now, let me give you the second part of that. It's the tax that is collected at the end of a purchase. Now, we have a name for that, right? We call it a sales tax. Right? And, and, and it's disturbing to us because oftentimes we forget about this aspect of things. Right? We, we, get a, we, we make a purchase, we see something there on sale and it's like $39.99 and we go to pay out and oh yeah, I've got that tax I've got to pay. That 6% on top of that. Right? And as the price of an item goes up, that, that tax becomes a little more grinding, just a little bit more, more and more and more. Oh, they get so much. You purchase a vehicle and you look at how much that sales tax was. You go, wow. I didn't, I didn't really think about that when I made the purchase necessarily. So there, there's sort of an extra little grind here. It's not the anticipated one. You know it's there. Everybody knows you're going to pay it, but it it just, ugh. Oh, Now, on top of that, I got to pay this. I don't think I got the best of deals in the first place, and I'm paying a lot, and now I got to pay more yet. That's what this man's job is. He is the collector of the taxes that you pay at the end of the purchase but there is also a widespread hatred of this guy not just by jews but by everybody but rome because you see everybody's got to pay the sales tax right See, so you think about think about it this way. You get a you get somebody from a foreign country who comes to the United States, okay, for a visit. Do they have to pay a property tax? No, they're here visiting. They don't have to pay a property tax. Do they have to pay income tax? Nope, they're here visiting. Right? They they don't have to pay an income tax. They're here visiting. Do they have to pay an estate tax? Nope. Don't have to pay an estate tax. But what tax do they have to pay? Every single purchase they make, they've got to pay the sales tax. So whether you're Jewish, or whether you're somebody who is trading with Jews, or whether you are somebody who is in the trade business bringing items in, whatever exchange is made, you've got to pay the tax at the end of the buy. And you hate him. You despise him with an intense hatred. This is the man that Jesus uses in this parable. Secondly, I want you to notice prayer. We find it there at the end of verse 13. His prayer is rather short, rather simple. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. But what becomes startling to us about that prayer is the contrast to the prayer that came before. In the prayer before, we have this Pharisee. I didn't go into a lot of detail, and I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about them. Other than the fact you knew he was a Pharisee. You knew he was a Pharisee by the way he was dressed. They, they have their outfits, and they stand out in a crowd. Everybody knows who this person is. They have their special vestments. They have their special clothing. They have their special uh, colors and uh, embroidery on their robes. They stand out. Everybody knows this guy. Listen again to his prayer. And hear it in the contrast. Both begin God. God says the Pharisee, verse 11, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I'm not like other people. The contrast is the Pharisee is saying I am better than others. I am better than other people. I am more righteous than others. My righteousness surpasses other people. I am more forgiven than others I am more justified than others and then he goes into telling God what he does as if God doesn't know as if it has to be an advertisement to God see I'm not like other people I tithe, I fast. But if you remember, Jesus has told us about these religious leaders and their fasting. Their fasting is not a sincere coming to know the Lord moment. Jesus has already told us that the Pharisees fast to be seen by men. Jesus has already told us that the Pharisees tithe so that people hear the clinking of the coins as they're dropped into that box to be seen by men. Notice the Pharisee, verse 11, is standing by himself. Why? Because he's so much better than anyone else. I, I, I can't stand next to that person. Oh, they're a sinner. I can't stand next to that person. They're a sinner. I, I, I'm more holy than they are. I'm more devout than they are. Well, Maybe in today's jargon we'd say... I'm more conservative than they are. Therefore, I am better than others. I, I, I can lift up my nose and, and I can say, I am better than other people because I am more conservative. I, I hold more to a certain philosophy of life. I hold more to certain teachings than others. Therefore, I am more Holy, I am better. I'm certainly not like this tax collector over here. We all know about him, we all know about his reputation. Jesus teaches the parable for those who are thought of themselves as righteous. What a contrast. That's where he ends. That's where where that prayer ends. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. What's more to be said? I'm such a great guy. I'm so wonderful. That's why I'm standing here all alone because nobody is as good as me. Maybe in our own way of doing things, we do that as well. I I gave a lot of money for this. I give a lot of money for this cause. I give a lot of money for this cause. I'm certainly better than other people. They give money to other things, but look at what I have done. Look at what I have achieved. Look at my devotion. Look at my commitment. Oh, you see, when we begin this parable, he told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. And we see in this contrast of these prayers, perhaps a little bit of our own self righteousness. How many times, honestly, have we not thought we're just a little bit better than somebody else? We're just a little more holy. We do pretty good because if you followed me and saw all the religious activities I did, I'm something special. Nobody can come near my righteousness. But you see, what it all is is self-exaltation. Is not the opinion of the Lord. How quick we can be to look at the sins of others and judge them. How quick we are to see the beam in someone else, or the speck, excuse me, in someone else's eye and not see the beam in our own. Isn't this guy a perfect example of that? He sees the speck in others, but not the beam in his own. Oh, he's to be, in a sense, commended. He's not an extortioner. He's not unjust. He's not an adulterer. He's not a tax collector. Probably honest words. That's probably true. He probably didn't engage in any of those biggie sins as far as he was thinking. But actually his sin was larger yet than even those for he thought himself righteous. That human pride, that arrogance. Can't associate with those people anymore because I'm, I'm so much better. I'm so much more righteous. How quick we are to make those judgments. Well, not just about the world, because you see, that's not where this is happening. This isn't going out in the world. Notice, two men went up into the temple to pray. This is in church. This is while we're listening to this message. We might have even had the thought, boy, I sure hope so and so is listening because they really need to hear this. How easy it is for us to slip into that thinking we are more righteous than another. There's the contrast. Why? Because of the humility. The humility of this publican. Note the following. The one, verse 11, the Pharisee is standing by himself. Verse 13, but the tax collector standing far off. You say, that kind of sounds like the same. That's not what Jesus' point is. Jesus' point is Pharisee center stage. Everybody else, a little bit away. Keep your six foot distance from me. Center stage. Standing by himself. But what's the picture Jesus is giving us? He's giving us the humility of the publican. Why? Where is he? He's standing off in the corner. He's not seeking center stage. He's in a corner. By himself. Not seeking anyone's attention. Secondly, note, he would not lift his eyes. We all know what this means, right? We see it in our children. Did you take those cookies? Head down, eyes down. Shame, guilt. Acknowledgement. Did you break that curfew last night? Mom and I went to bed early, but did did you come in after a curfew? Would not lift his eyes. There he is in the presence. Oh, where? In the temple. Where was Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6? He's in the temple. What do you come to understand in the temple? The holiness of God. And he would not lift his eyes. Why? Because understanding the holiness and the perfect purity of Almighty God, he would not lift his eyes. For whatever judgment, whatever sin he is accused of in his heart by Almighty God, he knows he is guilty. He would not lift his eyes. Third, he beat his breast. In the Jewish culture, that's self accusation. Me! Me! I am the sinner. I am the physical action of beating his breast. was the act of a man who is accusing himself. He's not off in the corner going, that arrogant Pharisee, I'm so glad I'm not like him. I'm so glad I'm not so full of myself as that Pharisee over there. Notice the Pharisee, everyone else is the sinner. But for the publican, he is the sinner. Third thing in regards to the prayer, not only the contrast that we see, not only the humility that we see in verse 13, but the sincerity of it. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. It's the truth, isn't it? It's the truth about every human being in the world. We are all sinners. He was. He's acknowledging truth. He is sincere. He is admitting that which which God tells us in his word. But he's being sincere. He's being honest about it. You don't get that from the Pharisee. But from the publican, the sincerity of I am a sinner, but also the sincerity of knowing that it is only the Lord, and it is only by the Lord, and it is only by the hand of the Lord, and it is only by the grace of the Lord that there is any hope for his life. God be merciful to me. I'm a sinner. I have fallen short. I have trespassed. My iniquities are greater than I can bear. I am a sinner. Me. Me. And the only thing I can do is to plead for the mercy of God. It's his only hope. Keep your finger here for a moment and find 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Here's the Apostle Paul. Often wondered, we don't have any information, but I often wondered how many of Jesus' sermons and messages did the Paul Saul hear? Sometimes there just leaks out of Paul something that just draws you back and says, I wonder, I wonder. Here's Paul, right? Apostle. Raising people from the dead. Performing miracles. Missionary journeys. Writer. Most of our New Testament in terms of books. First Timothy chapter 1 verse 15. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. See, this isn't while he's on the way to Damascus. This isn't while he's bowed down in blindness before the Lord. This is one of his last letters. What is he still doing? God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The moment we move past this, the moment we move past God, be merciful to me, a sinner, we have become the Pharisee. We have become that man who is self-righteous. It is always on the lips of a believer. He came to save sinners. Of whom? I am the foremost. Well, what's the purpose does this man serve? Well, let's listen to Jesus' declaration. First of all, in verse 14. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified. This man. Which man? The publican. It's definitive, not the other. This man. He doesn't say, ah, maybe both, or in time both. He's contrasting these two the one who is self righteous, trusting in his own self, and the man who is. Throwing himself at the mercy of God. This man, the one who will not lift his eyes to heaven, the one who beats his breast, the one who's standing off in the corner, the one who is saying, Be merciful to me, a sinner. This man, not the other. And we ought, we ought to hear that definitive statement. Justification is not about our self-exaltation of saying we are better than someone else. Our justification is only in this man. The one who understands he is a sinner and is at the mercy always, always, always of the Lord God. This man. Well, what about this man? This man, Jesus says, went down to his house justified. The term that Jesus uses here uh, in in terms of the the justified is the legal decoration by a judge. Jesus is saying the judge of all the earth, the Lord God. That's, you see, why we went to Isaiah chapter 6 as our call to worship. And begin with that. Because that's the picture of the sovereign Lord, the judge of heaven and earth. That's why we confess the Apostles' Creed. That Jesus Christ is the one who is going to come and judge the living and the dead. What he is saying is that the judge of all the earth, the judge who knows the human heart, the judge that knows the human mind, the judge that knows all the words that we have spoken and the ones we haven't but we wish we had. All the actions we have done and all the actions we wish we did but we just held back. But boy, we would have liked to have done them. That judge who knows our hearts has declared this man off there in the corner beating his chest, not lifting up his eyes. That man is justified. free from guilt, sin, blotted out. Sin, as as Micah talks about it in chapter 7, that is cast into the sea. That sin that the psalmist talks about in Psalm 103, that, that is removed as far as east is from the west. Which of these two men had their sins blotted out? Which of these two men had their sins removed. Which of these two men, sins are at the bottom of the sea to be remembered no no more? The one. Not who self-exalted himself. But the one who humbled himself. The one who spoke the truth about himself. The one who acknowledges. God. You're the only way. You're the only way of my salvation. Because I'm a sinner. And I can't save myself. Not the man who is saying, I have saved myself. Look at what I believe. Look at how I'm dressed. Look at where I'm standing. Look at how much better I am of others. Now, that man didn't go to his house justified why do we have a story about a publican because jesus declares for all time for all eternity for you and i here this morning that if we come as the publican if we come as the one who acknowledges that we are sinners and look only only to the grace of god is that a condition Yes, you better believe it's a condition. The publican didn't just walk into the temple and go, okay, God, I'm waiting for your sovereign grace to operate on me. And God says, okay, I just throw down grace upon people. They don't have to do anything. No, there has to be the acknowledgement I am a sinner and that I look to the Lord. That is a condition of my salvation. That is what God Expects, but here's the good news God, through His Spirit, grants me the ability to meet the condition. It's the Holy Spirit working in this man's heart, and when that Holy Spirit, that same Holy Spirit, works in your heart, in my heart, so that we off in the corner beating our breasts with our heads bowed down out of shame for our sins cry out, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Here is the declaration of Jesus Christ. You can go home justified. The sin is gone. But if this morning you were to say in your mind and in your heart, well, that was a good sermon, Pastor Bob preach but it didn't apply to me oh brother oh sister I pray for the spirit's work in your heart there is a second reason and purpose it's Jesus application it's not just his declaration it's his application do you see the bookends look at the the bookends of the story Verse 9, he told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Bookend, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. I.e., self-exaltation will lead to ultimate humility before the judge of all the earth. That's the Pharisee. The one who now. The one who today. The one who in Jesus' parable humbles himself. That's the one who is exalted. You know how you're exalted today? You get a Come. And dine at the king's table. You get to be fed by the Lord Jesus Christ. You get to gather with Christ himself. (laughs) What exaltation. The one who humbles himself will be exalted. And this is the scripture truth, right? Philippians chapter 2. He humbled himself, taking on the form of a servant, becoming obedient even unto death. Therefore the Lord has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. The one who humbled himself. The one whose body was broken. The one whose blood was shed. The one who took that accursed position upon the cross. The one who suffered hell. Damnation for you and I. That one. The one who cries out. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is the one who cries out, it is finished. I've won. The victor. The one who humbles himself. Is the one who will be exalted. Jesus is picturing his own death. And his own exaltation. But you see, in Christ, that's you and I dying to self, living to Christ. And God's people say, amen.